Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. The Global Story, with smart takes and fresh perspectives on one big news story. Every Monday to Friday from the BBC World Service. Search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts to find out more. Over the last few months, the war between Israel and Hamas has claimed thousands of lives. Around 2 million people have been internally displaced inside Gaza as Israel pursues its response to the 7th of October attacks. If you're trying to follow what's going on, you can be faced with a bewildering array of news and information. Online, there's a constant flow of claim and counterclaim. Each side is fighting to get their version of events across. Israel does not target does not target, I repeat, non-combatants, innocent civilians. No one can get out from the Shifa hospital. No one can come to the Shifa hospital. The situation is very, very dangerous. I'm a mother. I can't give solutions. I, I'm a mom. I can say one thing. I want my children back. But truth can be a casualty in any war. If you go online, you can find extraordinary reporting and heartbreaking stories but you'll also find misinformation and deliberate lies. So what's going on? This is The Documentary, and I'm Olga Robinson. On BBC Trending, we're looking at power. In this episode, we'll be investigating how online disinformation about Israel and Gaza is being used to try to seize control of the narrative. I'll be joined by Shayan Sardurizadeh, who, like me, works for BBC Verify. Hi, Olga. We'll be covering some of the different sorts of propaganda which our team has been investigating during this conflict. And we will be exploring the motives of those spreading disinformation on social media. Before we begin, a warning. Some of the material we'll be discussing may be distressing for some people. Now, throughout this episode, we'll be hearing from Elliot Higgins. He's the founder of the investigative website Ballincat and I asked Elliot for an overview of what they've been seeing online during the war so far. Well, it's really the worst I've ever seen it in terms of disinformation and the way social media has been used to propagate disinformation. It's very much the same kind of thing we've seen in other conflicts. So, for example, misattributed images, claims that are made about images that aren't really backed up by what the images show, misinterpreted information, and some of it is just outright grifting by social media users. That's a lot to explore. Let's start with this dramatic video that has had millions of views. As the video begins, we see a group of tanks moving across a hazy desert landscape. But their advance is a disaster. Over the next nine minutes, they're picked off one by one. By the end, the horizon is littered with smoking wreckage. The video's Arabic caption warns the Israeli army to leave Gaza or face extermination. This footage of an Israeli tank regiment has been widely shared across social media. But it's fake. It actually comes from a video game called Armour 3. 
It's just one of numerous scenes taken from Armour 3 and other games that somebody has tried to pass off as genuine footage from Gaza, Ukraine or another war. Some of these fakes are easy to spot, especially if you're a gamer. But the comments show many people are taken in. The tanks video got more than 5 million views when it was shared by a British politician, even though many users pointed out that it isn't real. Armour 3 is a popular choice for this sort of fakery because the gameplay looks very realistic. Players can also customise it to show any sort of battle. But the company that made the game is horrified that its product is being misused to deliberately deceive people. Hello, my name is Marek Spaniel and I'm the founder and CEO of Bohemia Interactive. We are a computer games company from Prague, the Czech Republic. My message would be quite simple. Like, it's great if you record footage from games, but it's absolutely wrong and completely disgusting when you try to basically mislead people and you have fun out of it. This is completely unacceptable. And I can only say, just don't do it. There may be a bit of wish fulfillment about the clip of the tanks. Israeli tank columns are not being destroyed like this in real life. But the content of many of the game videos isn't that different to genuine footage from Gaza. So why are people bothering to post the fakes? Marek believes the culprits are mostly motivated by internet fame rather than ideology. Most often it's probably just really random individuals kind of feeling it's fun doing it without really getting much of even profit, but just doing it to get the feeling I made something Look how many people I fooled, maybe. Look how many people were misled by this stupid post I made. When this phenomenon first emerged a few years ago, Marek and his colleagues tried to stop the fakes by reporting them to social media companies. But there were just too many to keep up with. So now they concentrate on working with journalists to help debunk the most high-profile examples. Marek believes education is the way forward. Users need to learn how easily technology can be used to fool them. Armour 3 could soon be left behind in the realism stakes. You have many other tools nowadays, especially the AI-powered tools, that are even more powerful in some aspects to recreate the real-life footage. Pretty much everyone can now create any type of footage. So pretty much the only reasonable conclusion is that unless you know the source, Just don't trust any digital footage at all. If these video game clips are fantasy presented as reality, then the next form of disinformation we're looking at is the exact opposite. That's when reality is falsely dismissed as fake. Let's call it denialism. On pro-Israeli social media, there has been a huge surge in the use of the term Pallywood, a combination of the words Palestine and Hollywood. It was coined almost two decades ago as a term to dismiss Palestinian allegations of mistreatment as fabrications. Between October and December last year, Pallywood was mentioned more than 430,000 times on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Israeli government officials and celebrities are among those who've used it to claim that evidence of the suffering of Palestinian civilians has actually been staged for propaganda purposes. During the current conflict, denialism has even extended to false allegations that the deaths of children have been faked for the cameras. 
Our colleagues from BBC Arabic's Gaza Today programme spoke to two Palestinian photojournalists who were caught up in one such incident in December. Ali Jadala covers Gaza for the Turkish Anadolu News Agency. I was in Shahad al-Aqsa Hospital in Deir al-Balah when the martyred child arrived and his grandfather was holding him and his mom was next to him and it was a horrific scene. The dead child was five-month-old Mohammed Hani al-Zanir. His body was wrapped in a white shroud with just his face exposed. Mohammed's distraught relatives hugged the tiny bundle as journalists gathered round. The child was very young. He was an infant. His grandfather was doing interviews in front of the cameras while he was hugging him. I took pictures of the child with his grandfather, with his mom, the goodbye looks of his mom and how she cried for him, just like all the other pictures of the children we take every day. Another journalist called Omar Dirawi filmed the video you can hear in the background. But when the images of this harrowing scene went viral on social media, many posts falsely claimed Mohammed wasn't real, that the body in the photos was actually a doll. These claims were amplified by an article by the Jerusalem Post. The influential Israeli newspaper said the pictures taken by the journalist proved that the dead boy was fake. The article prompted an outcry. Here is Omar Dirawi. The noise you can hear in this clip is from a nearby drone. A mother is saying goodbye to her son, and all the details show that he is human. Even his color shows that he is human, and nothing indicates that he is a doll. And they have the audacity to post that he is a doll. Couldn't you focus on the details? Are all the other children dolls too? After the backlash, the Jerusalem Post removed the article from its website. In a statement on social media, it said that the report had been based on faulty sourcing. Elliot Higgins from Bellingcat says that decades of tensions and violence between Israelis and Palestinians have created conditions in which disinformation and misinformation can flourish. Attitudes and mindsets are hardened by years of mistrust and people are less prone to question information which reinforces their beliefs. Ultimately, they aren't really interested in the truth. They're interested in their side being right. And often that means denying that their side's responsibility for what's happening to the other side. So they can feel that their hands are clean, that everything the other side is saying has to be untrue, because if that's true, then I'm a bad person for actually supporting my side. As Elliot suggests, denialism isn't a phenomenon that's unique to one side. I'm James Longman. I'm a foreign correspondent for ABC News in the United States. James arrived in Israel in the hours after the 7th of October attacks. He interviewed a 16-year-old survivor who was recovering in hospital. Rotem Matthias told James how Hamas fighters had come to his kibbutz and murdered his parents in front of him. The terrorists shot, opened the door, shot. They threw a grenade or something. It exploded. The last thing my dad said is he lost his arm and then my mom died on top of me. And for 45 minutes he lay underneath his mother's dead body 
whilst these men stalked his house for other survivors, other victims. I was terrified. I didn't make any noise. And I hoped, and I prayed for any God. I didn't really care which God. I just prayed for a God that they won't find me. And when you did the interview, do you remember how it made you feel, like, when you just recorded it? He was in tears. His sister was in tears. Their grandfather, who was with us, our cameraman, the hospital porters, the nurses, the doctors, and I was in tears. I mean, all of us sitting there listening to what he had to say. However, after the interview was broadcast, James discovered heavily edited material from his report was appearing online to put across a very different story. Pro-Palestinian accounts were claiming that Rotom and his sisters were crisis actors, that they were lying about their parents' deaths and were struggling to hold in their laughter in front of the camera, that the 7th of October attacks were not real. Yeah, I was very, very surprised. I didn't think that people would take an actual clip from a verified news source like ABC News and seek to pretend that the opposite of what was happening was happening. It's so easily debunked. It's so easily disproved. And yet over a million people saw this information. And according to the comments, many of them believed it. Some online attempts to deceive have unintended consequences. They may spawn further misinformation from a different direction, and it can even have a negative impact on innocent people. In mid-November, pro-Israeli accounts shared what was claimed to be a video of a nurse at the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. Ya Allah, I can't believe I'm doing this, but the world has to know, has to know what Hamas is making here. The partially masked woman on screen claimed Hamas was snatching vital hospital supplies, leaving ordinary Palestinians to suffer. I had to fix a fracture for a five, a five-year-old boy without morphine because Hamas took it to themselves. But the video was quickly debunked as a fake. One telltale sign was that audio analysis revealed those explosions in the background were the same sound effect repeated again and again. It's still not clear who made it, but soon claims appeared online wrongly identifying the woman in the video as a Mexican-Israeli influencer called Hannah Abutbul. At first, Hannah thought the people making the claims were joking. And I think the only thing that looks alike is the glasses, but it's like really stupid to think that someone is uh, another person just because of the glasses. Hannah is a former actress whose face is well known on Israeli social media. So she says it would be really dumb for her to pretend to be a Palestinian nurse. But the false accusation led to a torrent of online abuse and threats. I woke up in the morning and I saw a lot of messages of hate, like uh, saying me horrible things, uh, like really cruel things. At the beginning, it was like, okay, so it will be over like a couple hours and that's it. But then it was like bigger and bigger. Hannah messaged several of the accounts that had accused her to explain they had got it wrong. Most of them were like no responding. One of them blocked me. The other were like, you uh, Israeli propaganda, how much did you get paid? And, you know, comments like this. Things got so bad that Hannah became scared to leave home. 
She even received abuse from Israelis who believed she was the fake nurse. So they were like commenting, uh, why do you did that? That's just make us look bad like as a country. We're not like them. We're not like Hamas. We don't have to make these videos. It's been a feature of this war that several of the big social media accounts that have been busy spreading disinformation have a history of doing the same thing in other conflicts. There's been a degree of recycling and repurposing of old material to create new disinformation. Here's Elliot Higgins from Bellingcat again. Yeah, so one thing we've seen a lot of is images from the conflict in Syria being reattributed to what's happening in Gaza. And often this is being done by accounts that have previously kind of denied the crimes that are being shown in these images because they take a pro-Assad position in their um, social media posts. Finally, let's look at an example of how the situation in the Middle East has been used to spread disinformation intended to influence events thousands of miles away. And it's an example that involved some familiar faces. In December, this video appeared online claiming that a Ukrainian official was going to be charged with selling weapons to Hamas. The video looked like it was made by BBC News and it cited Bellingcat as the source of the revelations. Images of Elliot and my BBC colleague Cheyenne flashed up on screen next to quotes attributed to them. However, everything about this video was fake. One of the many clues was that although the video was in English, it was first posted on a pro-Kremlin Russian language channel on Telegram. Cheyenne and Elliot had previously debunked several fake BBC videos, So might their appearance in the December one be somebody's idea of revenge or even a joke? Both Elliot and Cheyenne are more used to exposing disinformation than appearing in it. So I asked them what they thought of their starring roles. It's a fairly crude attempt at propaganda in many senses, but the production, it's very close to what you'd expect to see from a BBC video. So I have seen some people tricked by it, but fortunately they've not really gone viral yet, as far as I can tell. I think it was basically an attempt at trolling us. But to be perfectly honest, my main concern is not people with a platform like me or Elliot being targeted. My main concern always has been and will continue to be people who don't have a platform, don't necessarily have a voice, And in the context of this conflict, a mother who's who's just lost a baby who's just a few months old, and then videos and images of, of that incident of the mother holding her baby who's now dead, being shared online by people claiming, you know, that baby is a doll and that mother is faking it. That's the aspect of disinformation that is, to me, is the most horrific side of it. That's it for this episode of The Documentary with me, Olga Robinson. Remember, we have a BBC Trending podcast. Find us wherever you get yours and you won't miss a single edition. Before we go, here's another podcast you might want to try. The Global Story helps make sense of the headlines with expert analysis from BBC journalists around the world. Social media has essentially siloed a lot of young men and women into different algorithmic bubbles. Men and women inhabiting the same environment in the real world but very different ones online. One global story at a time, in detail, every Monday to Friday from the BBC World Service. For those Russians who sympathise with Alexei Navalny, it will cast a, a very dark shadow. This looks like a message. Search for The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis, and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.